Good afternoon, Roadie Nation. Back another week, another episode of Mark's Remarks here on WRIU 90.3 FM. Mark Radigan here. We're back with a blast from the past, some might say, in terms of teams. We haven't had Roadie Men's Golf on the program for a while. Shout out to Aiden O'Donovan being the first friend of the show coming on last semester. So I thought, I'm trying to get more teams involved on the show, so why not branch out into some of the new spring sports with the spring season about to be heading underway in the middle of March. So joining us in the studio today is a grad student from the Rhode Island golf team, Bryson Richards. Bryson, how are you doing today? I'm good, Mark. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Of course, of course. Golf is obviously one of my biggest passions outside of outside of URI. Golf is probably my main sport, so I always love learning about golf at URI and talking about it. So getting the opportunity to have you come on the show was something I wasn't going to pass up on. So I was very excited for this. Um, I mean, to sort of just like jump right into it, we were talking a little bit um, before we hopped on, just like Going to college in New England, playing golf, can present a number of different challenges. But for you, being a successful college golfer, coming from Vermont must have been very interesting. So, I mean, just if you can get us started, I want to talk about just how you kind of got into golf, especially being from a bit of an inhospitable golf state, some might say, considering how far up north Vermont can be. But just sort of what were some of the things that got you into golf? Yeah, I mean, uh, my dad my dad uh, picked up the game uh, out of college, uh, kind of fell in love with it, and that, that love kind of bit my grandfather too. And, uh, of course, when I was born, uh, my grandparents babysat me, so they were retired, uh, so they would go to the golf course every day, and uh, my grandpa, he would bring me, and, um, you know, I'd, I'd go and hit balls with him every once in a while. It started out with me just sitting in a baby carriage. He would push me around, and I would just watch him hit. And then uh, as I got older, I would he would let me – you know, get out of the carriage and, you know, hit a ball down the fairway and maybe made it, maybe hit a couple putts into the hole. Um, and I kind of just fell in love with the game that way. Um, you know, I started playing tournaments at the age of five and obviously I've been playing ever since. But, you know, like you mentioned, Vermont really isn't the ideal state to kind of grow up and playing golf. It, it's not something that people would, you know, clarify it as a hotbed um, for, for junior golfers. Um, so it was tough. I mean, you only get five or six months of the year really to play if that um you know our courses back home close and close on halloween um so it was tough i mean i played i played other sports growing up too to kind of pass the time in the winter but golf was uh golf was always that that one that one love and one dream for me so that's awesome i mean sim similar to me like i remember getting into golf at a, at a super young age probably wouldn't say i was as competitive as you were at five years old but i it's you seem like Whenever you talk to someone about getting into golf, it's always the same sort of story, but you get into it super young and you're hooked for life. As, right. as any golfer will tell you is that once you, once you fall in love, that's it. It's, it's, you're, you're stuck. For, for better or for worse, you're stuck. Um, and so, I mean, just like as you were getting older, you're playing in a lot of these competitive tournaments. You're really seeing yourself excel and competing against guys that are much older than you. Just as you started to get older, what was that thought process like of like, all right, like, this is something I want to stick with, and this is something that I feel like could be big in terms of, okay, maybe I can play this at a school. Maybe I can play this for high school. Maybe I can actually play it in college. What were those maybe thoughts uh, as you were growing up or some of those conversations you were having with coaches or your parents? Yeah, so I um, I, I would say around 8th, eighth, eighth, ninth grade is kind of when I, I kind of shifted my focus fully to golf and wanting to play it. Um, play it in college. I, I grew up with a couple guys at, at my course who were older than me, and um, – like four or five years older so by the time that I was really getting into the game um, and wanting to play in college they were committing to schools getting ready to go play so I kind of had them to look up to um, but yeah I, I started seeing you know college coaches attention around freshman year um, thought it was pretty cool I would just you know tee it up at a random tournament in New England and you know x amount of coaches would be out there watching um, so yeah I, I thought that was I thought that was cool but uh, yeah freshman year um, is kind of when I started getting those those coaches attention um, and then by I committed here uh, end of my junior year, so it was a pretty quick process as far as like deciding that I really want to 
want to do this, you know, college and then eventually professionally to actually committing to the school. So, Were there a lot of other schools involved in the recruitment process? Like, Were you getting looked at by a number of schools like down south or was it mainly New England schools? It was, I would say mainly New England. There were a couple of southern schools. Um, it was tough, like we talked about earlier, just being from Vermont, it kind of required me to get on a plane a lot to go down <laughs> and get in front of, you know, some of the southern coaches and that really wasn't feasible. So I had, you know, a select opportunity maybe twice, three times a year that I would get in front of those guys. Um, so I kind of figured out, um, probably sophomore or junior year that New England was probably going to be the place. I just hadn't had enough exposure in front of the Southern coaches for them to, you know, really want to pull the trigger on an offer. But I had decided I had it narrowed down to a few schools. Um, you know, obviously UConn being one, um, and there were, there were a couple other schools in the South that expressed interest, but I was, I think I was a little bit more comfortable in, in New England. I was just comfortable with that style of golf, knew how to play here. Um, so I was, I was pretty content with coming here. And so in terms of just your scores and as that sort of process goes, cause you, you have to be at a very competitive level to make that jump from high school to college. But as you were sort of figuring out your game throughout high school and decided like, all right, I want to move on, um, to the college game. What were your scores sort of looking like in high school? Like, did you see them like, conti- uh, gradually sort of drop down or was there a moment where like during like a summer season where something clicked and all of a sudden you were able to really start honing in on some low scores. Yeah, it's um I there are there are so many progressions in the game of golf. It's like when you're younger, you know, breaking eighty for the first time and then, you know, you break seventy for the first time. I remember the first time I broke seventy in the tournament. Um I kinda just had to prove myself that uh that I could do it, you know. Um see so yeah, I I had started to play well, um, kinda going into my junior year. Um you know, low 70s, high 60s, um, just proving that I could do it in tournaments because you can do it at home at your home course all the time. But to be able to do that in front of, you know, not only in a tournament but in front of college coaches as well um, was, was important. Um, so, yeah, I would say around sophomore, junior year that I I kind of started to show that and, you know, coaches started to show some interest in it. You know, they say good golf takes care of everything, and that was that was the case. You know, you, you win a tournament here or there, and, um, you know, they, they love to see that. But more importantly, you know, they want to see that you're a good person too. They don't want a head case that is going to come in and, and not represent the school in a good way. So there are more factors to getting into school. Um, but, you know, good golf is probably right at the top of the list. So And so then coming down from Vermont, going, going to URI, obviously the weather is a little bit more hospitable, um, particularly during the – during the spring and summer months, but just as you kind of started to find your feet at URI, do you feel that your, I guess, experience um, playing golf in in Vermont and like understanding like that New England landscape helped you get acclimated quicker as a freshman coming here? Yeah, I uh, for sure. Um, it is a little bit of different style of golf. Like it's definitely more more windy, um, but it was a big thing for me just being being comfortable uh, I was com- like I mentioned earlier I was comfortable in, in New England playing New England golf um, I struggled my first event here um, big time and uh, coach kind of threatened to take me out of the lineup not not in a malicious way just was like I, I want to give you some time to get your feet wet and get used to everything that's going on um, you know decided kind of last minute to keep me in and I I went out and won won my second event here as a freshman so that kind of that kind of jump-started the career a little bit to make me um a little bit more comfortable just to you know prove to myself that that I could do it I knew that I could do it back home but it's a different thing to be able to do it um you know when you get to college so and so that feeling of first tournament not really playing well like and obviously golf is a very mental game and one that like it, you're on a knife edge for uh for the most part where it's like if you if you really let your mental state slip the golf game completely falls right. apart so then coming out of a tournament where your coach is like hey I want to give you the time to Figure yourself out. Take take a moment to get your get yourself acclimated to where you are, and then going and winning your second tournament. I mean, that must have been really good for your own mental fortitude. I mean, just what were what were the feelings like afterward? Like kind of being like, whoa, all right, like that. Welcome to college for me. Yeah, I wouldn't say. I mean, obviously, I go into every tournament expecting expecting to do well, expecting to win. Uh, I would say that at that point in time in my career, I I wasn't really. I was just trying to solidify myself in the lineup um and we had assistant coach at the time Dawson Jones who was with us and uh he walked with me for all 54 holes of that tournament I think that was huge because I um obviously knew that I had the talent to play well um but as far as I think 
from junior golf to college golf, the way you think and the way you go about things is very different because you have four other guys relying on you to play well. Um, so you can't always be aggressive in certain moments that you want to be because if you don't pull it off, you're hurting not just yourself but the other guys. Um, so having him, having him there walk 54 holes in the kind of and he had, he had had a great career here. He'd won you know a couple times. Um, was getting ready to turn professional himself. So he was a high level thinker. And uh, having him out there to just kind of calm me down, especially in the final round, you know, I'm, I'm two or three shots back, and it's hard in that scenario, especially at 18 years old, to not think about result and wanting to win. And um, oftentimes, if you get too far ahead of yourself, you, you get bad results because of it. But having him there talk me through all 18 holes was, was huge for me. And so then tell me about just what the state of the team was like when you joined freshman year. I know that we were talking about a little while ago just how young that this current team is now with a lot of freshmen. But you were kind of talking about how there was a, a lot more upperclassmen, a lot of guys that you could look up to, guys that have been in this sort of situation before. I mean, just like tell me what was the situation that you were getting yourself into when you first came here? Yeah, I would say we went from in the past couple of years we've gone from I would I would say the oldest team in the A10 to to now the youngest. Um, so I when I got here we had had we had had a f um, a fifth year senior like two or three seniors and then juniors and I was a freshman. There wasn't there was a gap in my class so there wasn't any sophomores. So it was basically me and then upperclassmen. So for me that was uh, honestly looking back on it probably a blessing because they I found out in a hurry um, how to do all the right things and they were. And I was the only freshman, so they were on me all the time about making sure I was doing doing the right stuff. So I think, um, you know, having them help helped me for sure. And I was lucky enough too to have um, obviously Brandon Gillis, who's our assistant coach now, um, transferred in from Wake the year before. Um, Jordan Brysich was came in from a D three school in Seattle, um, so he he was an older guy. Um, he's playing pro golf. Obviously, Brandon's our assistant now. Chris Rancor, who transferred to Louisville's fifth year, but was here all four years with me, or three years with me, uh, and he's now playing pro golf. So I had three guys that were high level, high level golfers, really great minds that I had I had looked up to right away. And so then, just as time is going on, you're getting through your first season. You already have your first win in the first two events, so now you're like, all right, you know what? Like I've got my feet wet. Now I'm comfortable. You did a little less to prove, maybe. Do you, uh, did you feel like as that season was going on, because you were one of you were the only freshman and just one, like being an underclassman, do you feel that was there any point that you had to kind of show up and really show your stuff, or or was it just like all right, you know what, like these guys respect me and I know what I'm capable of, so I can be a little bit more comfortable. No, I knew my place, and they were good about always giving me a hard time, reminding me that I'm you know I'm still a freshman. So I I really did. I played every tournament like I had something to prove, and even though I had won, I mean. In college golf, if you have one bad week, like your roster spot isn't safe. I mean, you're right back in qualifying, and if you you know you go through a rough stretch, like you go from winning a tournament to maybe not even being in the lineup, so you can't really get complacent um, in, in that matter. Um, and I didn't. I I didn't have a great two events after that, um, but then COVID hit, so then kind of everything kind of got put into a spiral. Yeah. So kind of just like that would gonna be my next sort of um, topic is just COVID because. It's a reoccurring theme in a lot of a lot of my shows. We talk about the impacts of COVID because everybody felt it differently, whether it was COVID was during their recruitment process or they were already an athlete here and they were kind of going through it. You, you were already an athlete here, but you were still young in your in your Kingston career. Just I mean, how did COVID impact you guys and you guys and the team as a whole? Because obviously golf is one of those sports where initially during COVID you couldn't really play because everyone was Lockdown. Everyone was inside, but it was one of the first sports that I feel like got every everything back going because it's individual. Because you're outside, you have natural social distancing in in the game. It's ingrained into the game. So I mean, just like what was COVID like for you as a college golfer? Yeah, it was it was tough because I think it was our spring break freshman year. We always take a uh, trip down south as a team uh, over spring break and play an event. And we were down there, and it was like two or three days into our our spring break trip, and we kind of found out about what COVID was. We weren't really sure how serious it was, so we were still down there practicing and playing. Of course, I think we were in North Carolina at the time. Um, we find out a couple days before our first tournament that, um, that pretty much the season was going to shut down. So we. We actually got rushed home from North Carolina because we weren't sure if like borders in the state were going to close because we had dro driven down there. So 
I remember driving back to campus and when we got back, it was like a 13 hour drive and we got back, campus was like a ghost town. And of course it was the winter time. So, or it was like early spring, like March, I guess. And um, of course I had to go back to Vermont and there, of course the, the golf season wasn't even close to starting there. So it was kind of weird. We go from like prepping to having a spring season my freshman year to pretty much getting shut down for good. And I don't think golf really opened back up until April I guess May, May or June of that that summer. So it was a, uh, it was like three or four months where we were, we weren't sure if we we're going to be able to play in tournaments that summer. Like the game was kind of we weren't as sharp. We weren't going to be as sharp at all. So yeah, it was a it was a tough time for sure. And it's crazy to look back on it. Now. It was like three four years ago. So and so like, how did you deal with the fact of not being able to play? I mean, like most of the, most of the times when you hear about a lot of really competitive college guys, they're coming from states where like it's warm and say you're sent home you can still kind of hone your game at home like you, the courses are open and so on but for you like golf season's not starting till may practically right so you're sitting at home kind of twiddling your thumbs not really being able to do very much so i mean just like how did that impact you i mean like mentally that must have taken a toll yeah it was tough because i think vermont was one of the last states i think too to kind of open it up for play um so it was weird like you know may june of that time period some of the some of the uh, state golf associations down south, I think, were already playing, and uh, so it's like you're sitting at home, kind of waiting for your opportunity. Like, hey, like winter tournaments coming out, and then you look down south, and and they're playing right away. So it was it was definitely just a weird time. I mean, I I'm lucky enough to have a spot to hit in my house, uh, and I'm, I live kind of in the middle of nowhere, so I can hit balls outside. So that was really really all I did. I mean, our, my home course wasn't open, so. I was hitting hitting golf balls at home with my brother and my dad, just kind of waiting for tournaments to open up, and you know, hoping it was it was soon. Because like I said, you know, looking at guys down south, they were playing. So, and so, did they end up pushing the season pushing the season back at all, or was the that spring that spring season just completely washed out? I um, I want to say we we had only played I, what it depended on what schools were allowing, what events because. Our schedule was completely different than what it was supposed to be. So we had gone to New York, I think, once for like a one-day event. Um, and then our whole team got COVID, so we were in quarantine for two weeks. Um, and then basically at that time when we got out of quarantine, we had, were getting ready to fly to Florida for A-10. So we had played one or two um, one-day events, and that was it. And then it was conference championship. So the season shrunk from you know seven eight weeks to like a three-week period and that was it we had barely touched the club anything so it was tough and so then how did your game i guess maintain itself during during that time did you see any significant change after that sort of covid shutdown when you started to get back like into the fall like when stuff started to get back to a shred of normalcy let's say um, did you see your game like any, any any parts of the game fall off or was or was there any rust that you had to kick off it was um definitely nowhere near as sharp um i know i remember getting to a10s um and it's really when you want to be your best and for a lot of us it was our first time even hitting balls in like two weeks two and a half weeks and uh so like the first couple of rounds you're kind of just hanging on like seeing if you can scrape around and, and put a number together and i would say by the final round that everyone kind of had gotten a little bit more comfortable but that whole time off it was our games were nowhere near where they where they should have been it was tough because like I said you want to be ready to go for an A-10 championship and when you're coming right out of quarantine to go play like it's just not fun you know um so to answer your question no it was uh it was a there was a big drop off from where kind of where we should have been to um to where we actually were and so then finally coming out of that COVID era you're back it's 2021 stuff's sort of normal sports are back up and running with the limited to no covid regulations at that point and now you're a sophomore were more underclassmen brought in during this sort of process to maybe balance out the age in a way yeah we had two uh two more freshmen come in um which was nice we had unfortunately we had two two seniors that were in the lineup that when COVID hit, that they were done. They had no more eligibility after that, so their opportunity to play was um, was gone, which was which was tough for them. But then we got the two freshmen in, and it was just kind of a fresh start. Um, you know, the team looked a little bit different. We were we were younger for sure. We still had three seniors at the time, um, but like I said, it was just a fresh start, which was nice. And so then, as that with that fresh start, obviously getting the game back in sharp. Just what was that 
those initial tournaments like for you coming out of coming out of COVID, getting your feet back on the ground and then getting a club back in your hand. Obviously, like you gotta probably take a couple tournaments to get back to like your full firing form. But just as you sort of got into a groove, what what was that feeling like for you? Yeah, it was it was good. I mean, it's sometimes you know it feels like it's like riding a bike. You know, it eventually it just it comes back. Um, so it was you know after eight tens, I guess was in. Uh, April and then by May, you know, all the tournaments were back open, so it was it was back to normal pretty quickly. Um, you know, we practiced for a week and then we were at an event, and then all of us play a, a pretty heavy summer schedule. Um, so by the time that we had left school um, in May, uh, it was back to normal at that point, just playing tournaments all through the summer and then getting ready for next fall. And so then, as you've gone through your first your first two years, what were your scores starting to look like? Did you see any um, considerable progress as you had made the jump from like high school coaches and private coaches to them working with college drilled coaches who have been molding recruits, molding guys who have gone on to play pro careers for years. Like, did you see? Did you start to see a, a considerable change in your game? I would say that for sure. Um, I would say that my best golf wasn't a lot better than it was at the junior, but I was just far more consistent. Um, I, I never really had the blow up round anymore where I'd go out and shoot, you know, eighty. I was pretty steady in, in what I was doing and I think that's really the most important thing is the the difference in in junior golf to college golf is just being able to to manage your like how good can your bad be? And my bad in junior golf wasn't very good and then in college I just had my bad rounds were just a little bit better, so my scores consistently just got a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better throughout you know, throughout my time. So <laughs> that's that's funny. Everyone, every every golfer listening at home right now is probably thinking, "Man, this kid's blow up days is shooting an 80? It's <laughs> all I dream of is wanting to shoot is wanting to shoot an eighty. But um, no, it's it's fascinating to just see the progression of someone's game because it's like I know in my my personal game, like over time, you start to see the scores drop as you start to focus in on certain things. But when you're not consistently working with a coach, that obviously takes a lot more time. But for someone who's already exceptionally competitive, then working with a very experienced coach that knows how to get the best out of certain aspects of the game, that must be just like something that a lot of people just can't comprehend. Like having someone that knows the answers to all of those sort of golf questions that regular guys have just been plagued with for their entire lives. Yeah, and I like I mentioned earlier, I was lucky to have some some really good players in front of me. Um, that I could pick their brains and stuff like that, but that was um, that was the biggest change I needed to make from junior golf to college was that I w- my I was super compet- competitive as you mentioned, but my mind and course management skills, all that stuff that the casual golfer doesn't really think about, um, needed to get so much better. Uh, I needed to learn how to limit mistakes and realize that sometimes taking bogey really isn't the worst option. Um, so that's where I've, I've made a complete 180 from even my freshman year to now. Um, it's just learning how to play the game the right way, um, knowing when I can maybe take a chance and go make birdie or an eagle or something like that, or maybe to throttle back and just say four here's a great score. Um, so that's the little stuff, the little tiny stuff that you know the, the average golfer really doesn't think about but matters a lot when it comes to even – you know, taking a shot off your round each time like that, that makes a huge difference over the course of, you know, three rounds. If you can take at least a half a shot off, I mean, you're picking up, you know, over a shot over the course of a tournament, you, you take, you know, one shot off three shots from the first round to the end is sometimes a difference in winning and losing. And it really doesn't take much just to, to knock that shot off. It might be, you know, maybe I have an issue with my putting. I'm three putting all the time. All right. How do I limit my three putts or, I'm having one or two really bad tee shots where I have to take a drop. How do I get a little bit better off the tee to maybe save a half a shot from from round to round? So that that's the little stuff that being in a college program, having good players in front of you, um, that stuff that you learn is the most valuable for sure. I feel like those are a lot of the same questions that casual golfers like myself will always like ask ourselves before a round, but then once you actually get into it, you kind of kind of clicks off and you don't like you don't think about it anymore you're like all right like you're going each shot at a time you're not really thinking of like the bigger picture and I know I'm 100% guilty of that because I know the second I start around I'm like part the first hole part the second hole I'm like all right this is round of my life like we're getting we're getting into it but 
I feel like that um, it's not something that casual golfers think of very often, but something that you always hear pros or you always hear guys that play competitively are always saying, like, hey, this is stuff you want to think about. If you want to get to that upper echelon of competitive golf, like, these are the things you need to understand. These are the things you need to think about. And so, I mean, do you have, like, friends of yours that maybe, like, aren't playing college golf and stuff that, like, come to you looking for advice on, like, how to maybe not necessarily how to specifically tweak something with their swing or, like, something physical about their game, but, like, maybe, like, how to deal with the mental ramifications that come with playing golf? Yeah, and I, for sure, um, and it's funny, you know, really looking back and I, like, if you told your friends in high school you were playing golf, you're like, ah, whatever, but now you look at it now and, like, all my buddies who really just didn't like the game in high school are, are now playing, which is, would now, which is kind of funny, so they they reach out all the time about stuff, and it's hard to... Uh, explain to the golfer that doesn't the weekend golfer about that kind of stuff like they don't really realize and it's hard when you don't play every single day like they don't realize that the work that we put in like on our minds and the stuff that we do in practice to play better uh, in tournaments like for example we're talking about you know knocking shots off your score like of course we have yardage books now with numbers and all that stuff written down but we have you know slopes on the green where we mark where to hit it where not to hit it um and we also, you know, talk a lot about, um, you know, where should we miss, like where our misses are, and we have to figure out too, like where our strengths are. So like, we'll come to a par five that maybe we can't get into, and you know, we keep track of our stats and all that stuff. And you know, I'll look at my book and just can draw off prior knowledge. Like I'm not great from 125 to 130 yards, but I'm really good from 50 to 60 yards. So like that's stuff to think about. Like if I'm not going for a par five, I'm laying up to a number that I'm comfortable with. And so that like, that's the little stuff that, you know, casual golfers, they just don't understand or will think about like that little stuff matters. Cause if, if you're horrible from 125 yards, why are you hitting it laying up to 125 yards? Like it doesn't make any sense. Like we're all, we're constantly thinking about little stuff like that um, to save shots out there. And so, in playing in a lot of these competitive tournaments, and the next thing I want to kind of get into is what we were talking about before, is the inability to truly play tournaments at home. But when you're playing in a lot of these competitive tournaments against big schools down south, and you're playing against guys that are, say, SEC, SEC guys or ACC guys, like, do you ever feel, do you ever see yourself, like, picking up on subtle nuances from a lot of, from those guys, or, like, how, like, you're watching them and seeing how they think or how th their process is? Because, I mean, from from my understanding, like, you're pretty much like, yeah, you're competing with them, but, you're, I mean, you're on the course with them. You're seeing everything that they're doing just like they're seeing everything you're doing. So, I mean, do you ever ha – have you ever picked up any nuances from other from other guys or your peers? For sure, and I think if you talk to any good golfer, um, they have an extremely open mind. And it doesn't matter if the player is better than them or worse than them. They We always kind of want to learn something. Um because it's so mental at the end of the day. The game is so mental. Um, so if we can pick up anything, I mean, I, I'll look at, it's less um, mechanics-based. Like, everyone's kind of got their own swing and it's groove now. And we just work on, you know, the little things that we know we have to work on. But I'll pick up, like, how long a player takes over over the ball. Like, their routine, like how they read putts. Like, a big thing now is, like, aim point and tour read and, like, different ways to read greens as opposed to just using your eyes. So, like that's little stuff that we'll pick on like you know there was a, a time last year where uh at we were playing cutter creek which is elon in east carolina's event and uh we had played with the host school one day and um obviously the grass is a little bit down down there uh, a little bit different down there so they're reading greens completely different than i'm reading um i'm using my eyes trying to trying to just see breaks see the grain they're all using their feet because the grain you can't really see it as well as opposed to like in the northeast so it's like little stuff like that like all right maybe i need to learn the way that they're reading green so next time i go down there i can you know maybe make a couple more putts so it's just little stuff like that and i don't think anyone really picks up um on the mechanics and their golf swing it's more of just like the routine how a player handles himself like are they like what are their emotions like when they hit a bad shot like little stuff like that and so then kind of moving into that same sort of thing where it's like you're seeing these different experiences and you're seeing these subtle nuances that players have down south given that the program doesn't really host that many home events because of just the weather in Rhode Island I mean the weather is beautiful when it actually gets warm but because of just New England's inability to have consistent weather it's difficult to host tournaments around here so 
do you feel like that traveling so much, particularly down south to go play in these tournaments, enhances your game in a way because you've now been able to play at so many different styles of courses? Yeah, for sure. I mean, everyone's everyone's excited to get out of the cold weather. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I think, uh, again, a lot of us who you know, are, are here and schools everywhere have played all over the country prior to even being here. So it's not, it's not a huge, it's not a huge difference. Um, but it's just, we're just excited to go down South and play, play in the good weather, you know? So. And have you played in any notable tournaments in, in New England or in Rhode Island that the, that university has been able to actually host or have have almost all of them throughout your career just been away or you've had to travel for yeah we haven't had a home event um since i've been here i know we talked about it pre-show um but a lot of it we always host it in the spring and it's kind of a sketchy time in in rhode island to host an event just as far as the weather goes and all our, all the new england schools like they talk they they correlate nobody wants to host an event on the same weekend you don't want to be fighting for the for teams to come and play your event because you want the best best teams you can get at each event. So, like, this the scheduling for us hasn't worked out as far as having a tournament what's in the spring and different from another New England school or, I mean, just the weather. Um, you know, where we play Point Judith, like, the course isn't even open until April, like, middle of April anyway. And um, where it doesn't matter wherever we'd host. Most of the private clubs around here don't open until you know the end of april so it's there's really there hasn't been a reason for us to kind of push the host one um at least to my understanding i mean those decisions are a little past my my pay grade per se (laughs) um but that to my understanding that's kind of the reason like why why would we force something um up here when we can just go down south in some better weather and play some good teams down there so and so then as you've kind of risen up the ranks of the risen up the ranks of this program and now being probably the most experienced guy in on the team right now do you feel like that that has any bearing on how guys are brought in or how you guys are able to recruit some of the, some of the talent that you bring in can, knowing that it's not one of the schools where like hey we can host tournaments here at our university like the, the same pitch that uh, like a, a like a Wake Forest would give obviously Wake Forest has the pedigree of like having guys like Will Zalatoris and everything else but it's one of the schools like that that have their own courses on campus where you're able to host events like that. Do you feel that it's a bit of a different sort of pitch when you're trying to get younger guys to come in when you say, hey, look, we don't have our own course or we don't host our own tournaments. The majority of the tournaments we have, we're traveling at least a state away to go compete in. Yeah, I think that, you know, being in that position at one time, I think as a junior golfer, like, they're really just looking to see if the program's producing good players. Um, you know, we're lucky enough to have Point Judith as our home course. We just don't ha- host an event there. Uh, so I wouldn't say that that's a huge, that's a huge deal for a junior golfer to kind of to think of. Um, they just want to see that, you know, we're playing a good schedule, which we do, and um, that the program's producing, you know, producing good players. Because that, that says something about the coaches and that the schedule's made out. Like if, if you're producing good players all the time, like that's – there's something to say about um, – the way that way that the school's doing things so and so then now as you've gotten to this point where it's like we sort of talked about earlier it's reversed from when you first got here you were the only freshman in a team of majority upperclassmen and now you are the only grad student on a team of majority underclassmen made up of mainly sophomores and freshmen how has how how is the experience of being with this team i guess changed in a way where it's like, all right, as a freshman, you're looking up to all of these guys and like having these older guys that have been through it before, you can rely on them to sort of show you the way. Now you're on the other end of that. How what, what's that like for you? It's been great. I've loved I've loved that experience. Um, passing down the knowledge that I've learned from the guys ahead of me, uh, and I know, as you mentioned, I know that they look up to me, and so it's cool to be out in a practice round or a course that I've played before. And be like, hey, like instead of doing this, like maybe we should think about doing this. Um, and they also get to see that, see the way that you know I act um, on the golf course or course or around and coaches. It goes it goes past um, just stuff on the golf course. So that's been cool for me to just kind of. I love the game. I love everything about it. So being able to pass down any knowledge that I know um, that I know has worked for me to them is is cool. And to see them 
learn that, um, maybe put their own twist on it or follow exactly what I'm saying and it for it to work out for them is, is a great experience. Yeah, that must feel good when it's like, hey, it's like, hey, look, like I've played this green at least 10 times now. I know how it's going to break. And then they're like, all right, fine, I'll listen to you. And then it works. That must be an amazing feeling. Yeah, and it's cool. And it's, um, you know, if they if they take you know, my advice and, you know, they, they play well because of it. It's, it's cool. And I, um, you know, I also want to give them the kind of the keys to being, you know, successful, what, what that entails, because I've been lucky enough to play, um, you know, with some really good players over my time and to take, to pull things that the, the things that I pulled from them to be able to, to pass that down to them too. They're just growing their knowledge completely. Um, because they're getting my intake on it. They're getting what I got from them. So they're just getting, like, if they're open-minded and they're willing to it, they can get so much knowledge from, you know, from me and from Coach Gillis as well. So And so, like, we've seen it with Coach Gillis having been a player recently and then moving into the coaching role. I mean, before I, I was curious to see if that was something that you would also be interested in doing. But before we kind of jump into that, just, like, what's been um, – obviously you have a strong relationship with him, but – now that he is on the other side of it and he's coaching you to try and help you improve, just how has your relationship, in a way, strengthened as a result of that, and how has that impacted your overall game? It's completely shifted from when you're when you're teammates. You just go about things completely different. Now that you know he's somebody that um, he's my coach. I mean, that's that's what we go from being you know best friends throughout our college careers, and then now you you treat him as a coach and you you treat him as such. I mean, that's what he he's your someone you look up to um but our our relationship really especially on the golf course is a bit around trust i know that he's seen me play enough golf to know that when we're out on the course he's walking with me and we're in we're in a stressful turn or part of a tournament and he's giving me advice i know what he's giving me is 100 percent accurate um i trust what he's saying and we've just done that so many times throughout our undergrad years playing and so now him being in that coaching position where I know that what he's saying to me is working and I know that he knows my game well enough to to know that that's the best outcome for me so having that other voice um, out there has been has been really beneficial for me and so is that a sort of career path that would interest you obviously this is your last year of eligibility with the squad and golf is a very competitive sport to go professional in obviously like for guys coming out of college like if, if you're not at the upper upper echelon of the NCAAs like going through the Corn Ferry Tour or doing stuff with the DP World Tour doing stuff with Live Golf like all of these other sort of qualifying avenues there's a lot of options to pick but it's still you're one in a million for some of those guys that are trying to go through that avenue so I mean are there um, things involving golf that you want to move into once you graduate, like coaching or playing, something like that? To be completely honest, I haven't thought much about that because, you know, my goal has always been to play professional golf. Um, seeing Coach Gillis in that role has kind of introduced a new path for me. Like, I, I think that I could see myself doing that down the road. Um, but right now, it's kind of all systems go towards playing professional golf. I mean, that's been my goal. That's that's what I work for, and that's why I came back for a fifth year to kind of just give myself another year to to prepare and, and hone in some certain skills that I feel like I need to work on before I, you know, get out there in the, in the pro ranks. And so a few years ago, the question, that question would have a pretty simple answer of like, oh, I want to make it onto the PGA Tour. But now, given the current state of the golf world today, there's so many different avenues that players can take and there's so many different ways that players can kind of get their feet wet in the, in the professional field. I mean, we saw Liv grow over the past few years and now... You're, you're seeing a lot more of a focus on trying to get younger guys to qualify. I mean, this past year, you're seeing guys that were at, like, in the bottom of the four for each team getting dropped out, and then now you've got these big qualifying tournaments that they have ahead of each season. So that adds a whole new dimension of, or uh, a whole new set of uh, opportunities for college guys. So, I mean, is, to some golfers, this may seem like a silly question, but... Is playing on the PGA Tour the number one utmost obvious goal, or are there other things in the professional golf sphere, like maybe playing on the Live Tour, or maybe doing stuff on the European Tour, the DP World Tour? Are there other avenues that you would also like to it, in, um, explore? I think everybody's goal in our position right now is to is to play professional golf, and I think 
the amateur game has done a great job in the past couple of years giving amateurs the opportunity to play. I mean, there are some college events now where if you win as an individual, like you get a spot into a PGA Tour event. Um, they have the PGA Tour Tour U rankings for all the seniors. Like the number one player there get, automatically gets a PGA Tour card. So they're still trying to feed um, players onto the PGA Tour. Like that's I think that's everybody's goal. But I mean, just in the re- past couple of weeks, like Caleb Surratt from Tennessee, um, he gets an offer from Live and goes to play. And I just think I don't professional golf right now from the outside world looks really messy. Um, who knows if PJ Tour and Live are going to combine? I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen with that. Um, but regardless of you know what side you're on, PJ Tour or Live, there are so many opportunities for people going to play you know, play professional golf now. Like, there's so many, you know, Monday qualifiers um, to get in the Corn Ferry Tour events, to get on the PGA Tour. There's obviously the same alleyways that there has been for the PGA Tour, but now all of a sudden Live Golf is hosting Monday qualifiers and, and things like that. So I would say that it's almost, it's tougher to get out there now, um, but there's more there's more opportunity, if that makes any sense. Like, the whole introduction of Live and, um, you know, obviously DP World Tour being a huge thing now. Um, PJ Tour Canada and PJ Tour Latin America combining into the Americas Tour. Like, there's so much stuff happening out there that, um, based on how you're playing, um, you know, there's there's so many directions you can go once you get out there. So, do you have any sort of idea of maybe a tour that you'd want to like try and investigate becoming a part of once you graduate? Like, I mean, obviously, like the easiest one would probably be trying to do some Monday qualifiers for PGA Tour events or Cornberry Tour events in New England and so on, but would you ever consider trying to get your feet wet in maybe a live qualifier or a DP World Tour qualifier? Yeah, so I don't know how that whole process works. I don't know who gets the invite for live and stuff like that, but my plan um, is I'll be moving you know, moving down south in September, probably out to Arizona because um, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Uh, so I'll go to Arizona and prep for Q school, um, try and get status out on Corn Ferry and work my way up through that way. Um, and I think that's, I for me, that's the most feasible option right now. Who knows what's going to develop with Liv and what their opportunities are. I, I personally, I don't even know how, I don't know what their criteria is to get into their qualifiers, but all that stuff is set in stone with the PGA Tour, so it's easier to plan for that. And I think it's kind of just up in the air um, as far as what what the opportunities are would live are um it's just too new for me to base my plan around that like I, I have no idea but i know what it takes to get on the pj tour so that that's what i'm going to be working towards yeah i think i remember looking up the live i guess qualification requirements that they ask for because i mean i was curious about it because when you're looking at it you're seeing a lot of these younger guys coming out of college and not many of them are getting instantly like offered massive contracts like a lot of them are having to go through these qualifiers and they're very specific i don't i offhand i don't remember exactly what it is but there were a number of like you needed to have won particular tournaments to even be in the running for like the live qualification sort of setup and everything but i mean it seems like in in that regard that they're really trying to establish themselves as like a competitive tour in that way where it's like all right if we want if you want to be a part of this and you're not like already established on the pga tour we want you to be competitive we're not going to have just any sort of slouch come on and play because of the guaranteed money and everything and the no cuts and stuff so you want to at least have a continuously competitive product but i mean it's it's fascinating to see now that we're living in this time where college guys are going to be able to make that conscious decision of okay pga tour is an option it's what i've been dreaming of my entire life but now now we've got other tours that may offer a little bit more money and it may be a little bit easier to get on to um, those tours. And so uh, have you had any conversations with your coaches in that sort of regard of like, all right, what they they think that could be a good avenue for you considering the guys that they've seen make the jump up to professional or their own experiences um, working with like tournaments and qualifiers and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, we've... I, a lot of our conversations... Um, from this point to the end of the year will kind of be based based on what, what my path is going to be because um, I know they want to set me up for success. Again, the thing with Liv is, like, they're really plucking your top players right now. 
Um, like Caleb Surratt was, I think he was, at the time was the number one number one amateur in the world, maybe top three. Like those are the guys that they're shooting for right now. So I think for everybody else, they were kind of still looking at that that path to the PJ Tour. And the thing with Liv is like, if you get hot and you go win a U.S. amateur, you go win a high level event like that, then maybe that opportunity presents itself. But I don't foresee anybody else being able to really get that opportunity unless something happens like with their qualifiers and you know we we talked about it but i think their their qualifiers are like i don't even know if they have a schedule like they kind of just pop up like every once in a while so again our our conversations with coach burke and coach gillis have been strictly how am i gonna what is the best path for me to get on the pga tour and then the other stuff with live will will come with some very very high level golf all right and so then Kind of just as we're starting to wrap up, I want to get more of a feel for like what you've truly experienced in playing for URI because of just how interesting a scenario being on a golf team in in New England can be. I mean, just like tell me what would probably be your favorite tournament that you've played in as a member of the Rhode Island Rams, just throughout. Like, if you can think of ones that jump out, whether it was a particular course that you were able to play or if it was a, an exceptionally strong field that you were able to compete and remain competitive in, just what what were was maybe, like, a, a your favorite one or, like, a top three of tournaments you've played in? Yeah, uh, number one for sure has got to be A-10 Championship. Um, it's the one that everyone's kind of got circled on the calendar and, and as a program that you really want to win. Uh, we've been lucky enough to play in some some really good tournaments since I've been here. I know um, VCU hosts a great event um, at the Country Club of Virginia. Um, we played in Penn State's event last year, which was a cool one, um, a program with a lot of history. Um, and then I guess this is four. I'm breaking the rules a little bit. But uh, Elon in East Carolina hosts a cool one um, at Cutter Creek in North Carolina um, with a great field as well. So those are, are really our the powerhouse events that we've we've played in so far. And so then outside of playing at URI as just another guy who's addicted to the game, I mean, just what are some courses that you've been able to play, just like bucket list stuff? Have you been able to get down south and play any crazy courses like like a Sawgrass or like a Kiowa, like courses like that? I uh, I had the game of golf has given me so much. Um, and I've got to experience a lot that I don't – if I would never to get into the game, just wouldn't have happened, golf aside, um, just the places that I've got to travel with my family. Uh, but I played – I had the opportunity to play Seminole uh, in Florida where they had uh, – I forget what tailor-made match it was. It was like during COVID or whatever, and I think they had uh, they had the Walker Cup there since then, uh, and I think they hosted a college event last year. Um, so that was really the first time that people had seen that, that course on TV – um, because it's very, very, um, very, very private, secluded. They don't really want anybody to know what's going on. So I had a really cool opportunity to play there. Um, I played in Doral. Um, I've played Prairie Dunes in Kansas, which has hosted uh, a Big Ten championship or Big 12 championship. Um, so I've been to Pinehurst. Um, Pinehurst is so nice. Awesome. So I've had, I've had some cool experiences, um, you know, being at some pretty historic places and i think uh i can't reveal too much but the guys are going to a pretty cool place next year too so nice. that'll be that'll be exciting oh that's 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 gonna be yeah. fun that's gonna be fun to hear but i will be calling aiden in the next couple months to be hearing about that one um but i mean just like how'd you shoot at seminole i mean like you, you can't just throw in that you played at seminole and not tell me how you scored. i was uh i was i think i was 15 at the time 16 i played with uh the head professional uh bob ford who Used to announce, or used to be the starter at the U.S. Open, would call out the names on the first tee. Um, I want to say I shot 78, 79. Um, by far, not even the hardest golf course I had ever played. We played it from all the way back. Um, it was windy. Um, I shot, I think, 78 or 79, and I felt like I played awesome. And it was just, I was more wrapped up in just the experience of being there. I wasn't really worried about how I played. Um, but that golf course is um, by far the hardest I think I've ever played, and it's not close. God, can you imagine at 15 years old shooting a 79 at <laughs> Seminole? Oh my God, I I could only I could only dream of that. Um, 
And I mean, maybe just maybe just one more now that we're kind of on this topic. I mean, what's one course that you dream of playing? I mean, because it seems like that you're set that you're set on the path that could take you to play some of the best courses in the world. And I mean, I know I've got my bucket list of courses that I, of courses that I want to play. I think probably right now, one that stands out to me that I want to play more than anything is Whistling Straits yeah. in Wisconsin. That for some reason, when I was applying to schools, we were looking about flying out there to go look at some schools out in the Midwest. And my dad and I were like, "We're taking two days. We're going to play Whistling Straits." And I, just, something about that course is so fascinating to me that it's one that I want to play. But I mean, just like, give me. Off the top of your head right now, what's the one course you want to play more than anything? Augusta National for the Masters. You know what? It's that, not even close. Yeah, it, it's yeah. There are so many incredible golf courses um, that they play out there on tour. They play in – I think the U.S. Open's at Pinehurst next year. Uh, the Masters, though, is kind of one of those things you're you know, 10, 11, 12 years old on the practice screen back home, and you're like, all right, I have to get up and down to win the Masters. Like That's just something you dream of doing. So for me, it's Augusta National, and I only in the Masters. Like it would be incredible to play it for fun, but to play it in the Masters would be, uh, would be super special. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. <laughs> now, now I'm thinking about it. That would be oh, that would be that would be incredible. My my dad and I have been talking about for years about trying to play one course in all 50 states, and we want to have it be like PGA Tour, like level courses, like tour courses that have hosted big events. Like Whistling Straits would have been one of those for Wisconsin, and. We always talk about it. We're like, that's the pinnacle. We'll save Georgia for last. And if by the grace of God we're able to make that happen, that would be incredible. But I, I have to agree, Augusta's 100% up there. It's just, you, you can't beat it. It's it's heaven. It's yeah. golf paradise. And that's when, when, when you ask a golfer what's heaven like, you describe Augusta, Augusta National. National. For sure. The amen corner. You, you, you think of all of that. But that's kind of about all the time we've got today. Bryson. Thank you. That is the first time in a while I've gotten to talk about golf like that in a really long time. So that's, oh, that was that was great. I'm loving everything. I'm loving everything I'm hearing. Yeah, it was uh, it was great, Mark. Thanks for thanks for having me on. We had a good time. So. <clears throat> of course, and I mean I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this team performs. Like we talked about, a very young team in the Atlantic Ten, but a lot of guys that can really hold their own. I was looking at a bunch of scores. You're seeing a lot of average scores in the low 70s, high 60s. That's what you want to see. If you're especially with young guys that are only going to improve, those are the type of scores you got to see. So hats off to the coaches, hats off to Coach Gales and the rest of them who are really taking the bull by the horns and getting a good recruiting class in. So I'm excited to see how you guys are able to fare in um, in the next couple in the next couple weeks. And hopefully it gets a little bit warmer, so you guys can actually get out on the grass, get out on the greens in Rhode Island. Because I mean. Rhode Island, when it's warm, the golf there isn't much better unless you're obviously going down south. But in New England, when it comes to it, Rhode Island is just picturesque. So sure. hoping, hoping you guys are able to get out on the course soon and really make you or I proud in a sport that not a lot of people maybe necessarily pay attention to. Yeah, we're uh, we're excited. We got our fresh our freshmen got their feet wet uh, in the spring or uh, in the fall, so uh, we're ready to get going. Try to bring in, bring an A ten championship back to Kingston. So fantastic. Well, thank you everybody for listening in this week. Gonna try and find some new guests. Gonna try and get some coaches into the rotation now. We had a lot of players. Now we've had some grad students, but I want to try and get some coaches in. So a lot of stuff up my sleeve. Obviously, pay attention to the socials for any updates. Marks for Marks Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And we'll be back next week with a new guest. So see y'all then.